Blame the 10 years of consecutive losing to Utah on the BYU administration. However, blame the losses to UMass, Eastern Carolina, Northern Illinois on the coach. One advantage, they don't have a stupid mascot named Swoop. Mascot trash talk. Didn't see that coming. Mascot? But to the point about they got to stop losing to UMass and oh, Northern yeah, Illinois. Oh, yeah, that's unacceptable. Yeah. Without question. I think that was on coaching. Yeah. I, I've got no problem with that. Yeah. I think they've fallen behind relative to Utah. Or, more importantly, Utah's risen and soared ahead. That's the big thing is their program is so far more advanced than what the Cougars are doing. And it's inexcusable to lose to these programs. But I think you're, you're, you're looking at, you're pointing at their worst year ever. Yeah. certainly in 50 years and if that were to happen consistently well then all sorts of problems are there but I don't think that's going to happen I think that if they want to get back to where they were then they need to go back to where they were <laughs> see yeah. schedule easier get in a conference don't worry that it isn't a power 5 conference and I guess suppose you'd have to swallow some pride because you'd be playing for something that isn't as prestigious as what theoretically the Utes are playing for. But is Arizona really playing for a trip to the Rose Bowl? Are they playing for a conference championship? No. Is Oregon State? No. No, in any given year, at least a third and probably half the league are just playing to get bowl eligible. Right. And I don't anticipate Utah playing for it next year. I'm losing too many guys. The way I look at it, you know, unless you're SC or maybe Oregon and maybe put Washington in that category, the rest of the teams in the conference, if you can find a way to reload and not hit rock bottom and maybe win seven games that particular year that you reload and then you're doing with young guys like Tyler Huntley, they... Uh, two years ago, I thought there's no way that they're going to be all that. They're just go, once you're going with a young quarterback, you're committing yourself to a two-year process. And so now we're at this second two years later, and here they are, and they got a legitimate chance. So then next year, reload again. Don't hit rock bottom. Don't get three or four wins. But reload again, see what you got, and be competitive next year. But then the year after or the year after, you make that push. And then you do it again. So that's the process that most of these teams in the Pac-12, if they can do that, and many of them haven't been able to do that, but if you can do that, that's, in my mind, for a place like the Utes and for most of the teams in the conference, that's completely and totally acceptable. Mark tweets at us, y'all ran Bronco Mendenhall out of town. Seems he's doing pretty well in Virginia. Yeah, Bronco Mendenhall took $3.5 million. You ran him out of town. He took the money, as I would every single time. Get a chance to double or triple your salary, yeah. you ought to hit it. And who's y'all? Y'all! I mean, blame it on the media? What are you, you Trump now? All. I mean, y'all, I'm waving an arm in the air. Y'all, everyone south of the county line. He chose to leave, and good for him. And he took a massive pay increase in the but process. He and he also, also said it wasn't going to be sustainable in the conference. And and also uh, they went from 2 and 10 his first year to 6 and 7 then to 8 and 5. And you look at the 8 and 5, 
and they beat 16th-ranked Miami. That was a big win. The next biggest win was Duke. I mean, Richmond, Ohio, Louisville was 2-10. and 10. North Carolina fired their coach. They beat Liberty. A bowl win over South Carolina. So in a way, Virginia has a schedule that you're talking about BYU playing back in the day. Yeah, but they're Virginia. A couple of big games. That's all they're ever going to so do. So they don't aspire to... Everybody aspires to it. <laughs> You're all kidding yourself. But the Virginia fan base has different expectations than the BYU fan base, so 8-5 and five is good. Or the BYU fan base has different expectations for Virginia than they do for BYU. I'm not sure what you're getting at. He went 8-5. and five. Uh-huh. So to treat it like that's the greatest thing ever... If he went eight and five, it'd be with you. That'd be grumbling. I don't know about that anymore. With the schedule that you're playing and the situation that you have, and you're basically running relative to Utah and these other programs, you're running your program on the cheap. I think if you find a way to get eight wins each year, that's pretty good. Well, there are some people who think this could still be an eight-win season. And, uh, I'm one of them. A lot of them are. Yeah, me too. And they, a lot of them are posting here. Uh, Steve says, just stop comparing yourself to Utah. You're just not on the same level anymore. That's what's driving you nuts. Um, You're not. I agree. S- Steve, there's only been one game. They lose and everybody thinks it's the end of the world. It's not a big enough sample size. Yeah, I think it's been nine games, though. It hasn't been one game. And you've lost to Utah State. So it's not one game. No one is basing on losing to the Utes. Any angst, are they? It's the bigger picture. And where is it going? Well, I think there is angst after losing to Utah. It's like Val Hale said when he was on, it's the week after losing to Utah. So, of course, there's, you know, angst and it's hard to do everything now. So, if they had won eight in a row and lost to Utah, there would be angst. I completely disagree. Wait a minute. They did lose eight in a row and lose to Utah. Oh, if they won eight in a row, is what I meant. If they had won eight in a row and then lost the ninth game to Utah, there'd be angst? No. There'd be, you'd be upset and you'd be angry yeah. that you lost, but there wouldn't be angst. The angst is all things in the pot. It's not a singular thing. Right. But is it more one thing than another? Is it more? If they'd beaten UMass in Northern Illinois, and I think they lost to Fresno State a couple of years ago, and so if they'd won some of those games, or if they won all those games, they hadn't lost to Utah State. They hired State a high school coordinator, <laughs> a high school coach to be a coordinator. Yep. What the hell did you expect? Uh, ten wins. And, yeah, and most of your coaches had zero college experience, and they weren't in the game. They weren't even coaching. Let's try you, because you'll accept the $80,000 that we're going to pay you. Okay, fine, sure, I'll do it. What the heck? I'm a former player. This sounds like fun. Who builds a program that way? I don't care how many Heisman's Demmer won. He was a high school coach at a lower level in Texas, and you made him a D1 coordinator. That happens every day. You look at all the successful programs. There's a slew of guys that I could name that they did that. That's how they had their break into college coaching at a high-level schedule D1 coordinator. Yeah, have at it. Wow, and they didn't have success. I'm shocked. When you look at the history of so many guys who went from a lower-level high school to being a D1 coordinator, and he had a bunch of guys around him that weren't even in coaching. So write that season Brilliant off. move, guys. But they went 9-4 and four the first year with all of that. 
guys and a guy went to the NFL quarterback and a guy went to NFL yeah, running NFL back. NFL quarterback and running back. And go get me those guys, and you'll probably have success. Find ways to get those guys. Mitch says, in all seriousness, I don't feel any different than I did last Tuesday. If fans will stop Uncle Rico in it and realize BYU's place in the new college football world, they can still be Boise State and USU and have a solid season. It's possible, yeah. It's not out of the realm. That's why I don't think there's that much angst. Dumb down your schedule. Play New Mexico. Play Wyoming. Play UNLV. Play Colorado State. And you'll get seven, eight wins. Go do it. Go back to what you were doing when you played those teams. Consistently. Call up New Mexico. You don't think they would take a home and home? They might even get 10,000 people at the game if they did that. (laughs) I've been there. Vegas, baby. That's the trip. Sure. Play Vegas. Then they'll they'll sign on. Play them in the... Play them at Bishop Gorman High. Their stadium is just as good. Better than Sammy Boyd. Farewell, Sam Boyd. So, I mean, you want to play in the NFL stadium? Play it. Good seats still available. Well, that's not the way this is trending. If you think this year's tough, you ought to see next year's schedule. I think that's the number one issue, is that as an independent, they have to make their schedule attractive enough to ESPN to keep the deal. So it's kind of a, it's a vicious cycle to an extent. Because if you're playing Vegas or playing New Mexico, a home game down at the Ed, you're guaranteed to play them at 8.30 at night on a Saturday. And so they have to beef it up a little bit. And that's why SC, they're throwing that game at at 1.30. You got to give ESPN something to want them to do this, Right. Because they can't make it go without this deal. So you got to schedule. Whether SC is good or not this year is beside the point. They clearly are a big-name program. And they'll always be a big-name program. So you schedule them, and we'll throw it out 1.30. And everybody, that's what time it starts in, uh, next week, right? Yep. And so everybody loves that. And then if you should beat them, then you probably get a decent time against Washington. Well, if you're playing Wyoming and UNLV and New Mexico, you're 8.30 at night, guaranteed. On ESPN2 or ESPNU with not all that much exposure. Right. Right. So what are they supposed to do here? And their program isn't good enough to beat these programs game after game. It never has been. Ty Gammer, the greatest of them all, started 0-3. And then won eight straight. Yeah, then you went into cream puff time. And then tied San Diego State and tied Iowa. So 0-3-1 and against Power Fives. Because uh, that was the year they played Iowa, that 13-13 tie in the bowl game. He threw a pick late. A pick late? A late yep. pick? That, that game? That was in the Holiday Bowl? Yeah. That was a knuckle biter. Really was. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that like it was yesterday. My knuckles, they were scarred. They are right down to the bone. Jeez, I look. I saw right through the skin. Who ties two games in a row? Ty Detmer at the end of his career. Well, isn't it ironic? A guy named Ty had two has ties. two ties. It goes back to the San Antonio, Popovich, Turkey. That's why these things happen. They're freaky, but when you investigate and take a step back, you can see, well, of course, of all the quarterbacks who are going to have ties, it was going to be Ty Detmer. Right? Sure. And BYU, they were winning 
three conference championships, if not two. And who's the winningest quarterback in BYU history, Yach? One Max Hall. He won to the max! Does it not make sense? I ask it you people. It really doesn't. He won to the max! <laughs> Ty Demmer, yeah, he yeah. tied! No, okay. Max won to the max! Stop. No, it's stop. brilliant. It's stop brilliant. yelling and stop it's with the screechy not, voice. It, what is going I can't on help it. Voice? I cannot help it. I think it. you can. I you can reach the point of no return and your voice is gone. But you your voice is back now. It's better now. Because I'm not at that point. When I get <laughs> to that point, you have to go with it, Dave. That's what, You've never been to that point, so you don't know what I'm talking about. Yuck. How awful was that? He won. I don't know. I think. Let's put it people, this way. I wear headphones. Come on. Yeah. I wanted to take them off. Okay, but you're just do. going on, and I never make no ex- no apologies for passion. But strip away the the bo- the voice and go to the point. Where else can you turn on radio anywhere in the world? And BYU they broadcast right now. They're going to have BYU soccer. It's going to be on eight thirty Russian time. It's going to be in Sri Lanka. And it's going to be eight thirty Russian, nine thirty Eastern. Okay. What? You can't get that anywhere. 9.30. I don't even know what you're talking PM, about. All right, we got to go to break. But here on our show, you can get Ty Detmer tied. Max Hall, the winningest quarterback, one to the max. People, get on the line. If you don't want me to do this stuff, I won't do it. You hold my future in your... Get on our app right now. And if you didn't think that was brilliant, I'll cease and desist forever. But if you want more of it, I'll give you more. I'll cease and desist forever? Yes. What a knuckle biter we've got yes. in this break. Right. That, DJ that, PK. But the people, this is your chance to speak. This, this is, is not the first this, Tuesday this, in, a, in November. And on, ironically, uh-oh. this is the first Tuesday in September. That's very ironic. <laughs> My head hurts. <laughs> I need a drink of water. <laughs> DJ and PK, that's not all. DJ and PK, when we come back, uh, PK's future hangs in the balance. It's a, it's a total knuckle biter. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. USA wins at the FIBA World Cup in overtime. They edge Turkey 93-92. Australia picks up a second win, 81-68 over Senegal. Joe Ingles finished with 17 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. Missed a triple-double by 1 assist. College football, ninth-ranked Notre Dame pulled away in the second half, blew out Louisville 35-17. Major League Baseball, the Dodgers hit seven homers and beat the Rockies 16-9. And the Yankees shut out for the first time in 220 games. Texas Rangers blank them 7-0. Cubs still three games back of the Cardinals in the National League Central Division. Cubs beat the Mariners 5-1. Bees end the season with a 7-1 loss to the Reno Aces. They finish in third place in their division. Top of the wire brought to you by Action Plumbing. Action Plumbing, Heating, and Air are looking for skilled HVAC technicians, plumbers, and electricians to join the Action Superhero Team. Paid training, health, dental benefits, and a 401k match. Call today and join the Action Plumbing Superhero Team at 801-833-3333. That's Action Plumbing. Big Show. Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? 
Tanner Mangum with us on the big show. Tanner, the Cougars this week, they're heading into Neyland Stadium there in Tennessee. What's it like to be the road team in an environment like that? To me, it's fun. The competitor in you enjoys the opportunity to quiet the crowd. Something about that is really motivating. It's just you against the world. That's the kind of mentality that you have to have. And I think particularly this week, Tennessee's going to be looking to avenge their loss last week. BYU's going to have their hands full. But if they come in with that mentality, who cares about last week? It's all about the now. Take care of their job each play. They're going to have a shot to go in and be an SEC opponent on their turf. And I think that's an exciting opportunity that the guys are pumped for. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Zeke is as capable as anybody I know. You know, he's an experienced player. He's been a really good player for us. He knows our system of football. I don't think there'll be a lot of learning there. He's a smart guy. He's an instinctive guy. But again, that's a hypothetical. We're just focused on the guys we have right now. We're going to go practice as well as we can to prepare the right way to play the Giants. That's Jason Garrett, who has no say in the Ezekiel Elliott contract negotiations. He has to talk about it. But he can't. He can't make the owner mad, but he can't make the player mad. So say nothing for 20 seconds and then move on to the next question. I thought he handled it well. They got a divisional game right off the bat, huh? Yep. Giants right out of the gate. Some of the stuff we've been talking about today and some of the stuff we haven't been talking about today. Who are you golfing with today? Oh, some dude. He won the Masters in 03. <laughs> <laughs> some guy. A little Canadian. <laughs> a little Canadian cougar. <laughs> like we're. You're nervous. Uh, no. Good. I'm petrified. <laughs> you shouldn't be. <laughs> okay, he's I'm, Mike Weir. I'm not. Right. But I mean, you his break. Presence. You can break eighty on a regular basis. It's not. It's not a big day if you break eighty. Yeah, but not this. And he's a Masters champ, so he's not going to think you're a really good golfer. You're an amateur. He's a pro. I understand that, but you still want to put your best foot forward. Sure. I'm probably going to cry on the first tee anyway, because <laughs> I'm going to think of my father. Yep. My father taught me the game, and he's gone now. And he would and, be blown away if huh? he knew you were golfing with the Masters champion. Absolutely. Because he, was, he couldn't believe you were interviewing Billy Casper. Correct. Who won three majors. Mm-hmm. Won a Masters and won uh, two U.S. Opens. My father was a huge golf fan. Right. And looked up to Billy, uh, Billy Casper. That's the right generation for him to be right in his Absolutely. wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so if he if your dad were alive and he found out you were golfing with a Masters champion, mm-hmm. like, what? Yeah, really, totally. Right. Really what Mike wants out of you, though, is he listens to the show. He's not golfing with you because he thinks you're going to go out and shoot a 68. Just, you need to give him some, you know, he's, he's a cougar. He probably wants some answers on BYU sports. Yeah, but Tell him a couple stories he doesn't know. You still want to put your best foot forward. Absolutely. But you'll do that better if you're not thinking about it. If you just oh, I know, just but that's impossible. Yeah. I agree. You're, okay. I don't disagree with anything you <laughs> I said. I should have told myself this before I reeled <laughs> off a string of double and triple bogeys yesterday. <laughs> any golfer of any renown will tell you it's mostly mental. Right. Yeah, I was doing fine for three holes. And then yeah, so you were doing fine for three holes. So why wouldn't you be doing fine for six no, holes or seven holes? Hit a terrible drive on four. Just yeah. awful off the hill. I mean, we've fun. all been there. This is terrible. It's crazy. I went and golfed Talon's Cove yesterday. Beautiful the two course. Guys I love I, it. The two guys I golfed with are very nice, though. They were. Well, everyone were is trying to set the other guy at ease. Yeah. yeah. Well, not everyone. Well, <laughs> in, in your group. Did, did you have any, any issues recently golfing? Well, a guy I pulled around on a, on a uh, hole, and he was getting ready to hit. 
and I didn't see him, so I came around in the cart, and he stops and gives me a stare down. Like, why are you making such a racket? Yeah, and he's on a par three, yeah. And the well, answer was, well, because I didn't know you were there because I couldn't see you because of that corner and that hill. Right, and the stare down. Mm, so once, then he stares me down, then he goes to readdress the ball, and then I put it in reverse. <laughs> so you. <laughs> so that was on you. Yeah. Well, I thought I had to get out of his line of vision. But, so I well, put it in reverse. After he addresses the ball, though, well, obviously. Well, after he stares me down. I'm aware. And so then he goes through another stare down. At that point, it's on. <laughs> I'll stare right back. <laughs> and then he's with his buddies. Uh-huh. And it's a par three. And he proceeds to hit it maybe 20 yards, all of which are on the ground. Oh! And all I can do is to not just burst out laughing. <laughs> and then he drops an F-bomb directed my way. <laughs> but he dribbled it. And I'm sure I was to blame for your dribbling of the ball. So, and you went ahead. And I parred the hole. So, ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. I hit mine on the green and two-putted. Although I sucked on the first putt, I made the second putt, which was... <laughs> that's, that's always good. <laughs> yeah, I was way short on the first putt. I mean, come on. I just did not put the ball. At a 25-footer, I left myself eight feet. Uh, probably, but uh, I made the eight-footer, so I think it was close to that. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, I think you're, you're right. Yeah. Well, we've all been there. But I did except make, for the, I make the par putt, so that's... Except for the point where I make the second putt. <laughs> that's all that matters. Yeah, I, I, I concentrated. But yeah, yeah I, the stare down was completely and totally unacceptable. But... That's the way it goes when you get testosterone running around there. There it is. All right, we talked a little basketball this morning. The U.S., 93-92 in overtime over Turkey, a game that tipped off about 6.30 Mountain Time. So they're 2-0, barely. Donovan Mitchell did not have a good game shooting the ball and didn't see the game we were doing the show. i got to admit, I'm a little curious how he ended up taking 12 shots and not getting to the free throw line when you're struggling scoring. You think you want to get to the free throw line. But didn't see the game, didn't see how it was after I played. He was 3 of 9 from behind the arc and then 0 for 3 on two-point shots. Well, this is best-case scenario for Mitchell. Well, the fact that it's close, mm-hmm. so you're playing, what, what would we call them, intense minutes right. at the end. As Not, opposed it's to blowing somebody out by 30 yeah, and, and, and everybody's yeah. playing half the game. Right. The coaches are rotating three guys. And there's no intensity. So you're... And this is not a talented USA team, comparatively speaking, obviously. And you're one of the better players. So you're in a close game. So you're playing intense minutes. And secondly, you're not shooting the ball well. So give your stuff something to work on. Keep having to strive to get better. Not that if he shot 8 of 10, he would think he's arrived by any stretch. But continue to have to grind, to have to work, to have to get better. And so this is best-case scenario. If I'm a Jazz fan, which I am, I want him to have big situations. Even though this isn't a world stage, or it's not an NBA stage, which is for us is way bigger, it's still something that matters to these guys. and much matter to me, but it matters to them. And they're competing at a high level. And then have him not be quite as good as he's capable of being. So he still has that... A carrot out there dangling. Got to work. Got to get better. I guess best case scenario here, what I would prefer to see, because like you say, a lot of the high-level talent decided not to play. And so he's on the team. He's one of the better players. He's going to need to take over late in playoff games. 
don't we need to see him take over late in these games? I don't know that we'll need to see him take over. You don't think? At 23, he turns 23 I know, on that's Saturday. We're pushing, we're pushing the envelope there. But we're Down talking the road. About, we're talking about how there's kind of a two-year window for this group. And then the Jazz, like most NBA teams, there's a lot of contracts that are up. Summer of 2020 will be relatively quiet. The summer of 2021 will probably be crazy. So you kind of have a two-year window here, and I get that he's still young to be dominating on a playoff stage. That's the kind of thing you usually do in your late 20s, your early 30s. Jordan, Shaq, LeBron, always all about 27 when they start doing that. So, yeah, it's a little early, but uh, we want it and we want it. Well, and that's what's going to be so intriguing about this year. They went and hit you with the team is everything. And a lot of that's because you didn't have a big-time star. Right. So you got to promote what you got. All right, so now you've got some players who've been in this league for a good while. Bogdanovich was the man after what's-his-face, Oladipo goes down last year for Indiana. Yeah. And he's 31 himself, right? So he's got experience. He certainly has it at the international level. And you got Conley, who's a proven commodity in this league year after year after year. And so you got those two guys. Plus, you got other guys too. But you got those two guys combined with Mitchell. So who's doing what in the clutch situations? Remember years ago, it was Hayward running like his head was cut off and chuck up something outrageous. Well, now you've got bona fide options. So what does Quinn Snyder do as far as directing how they're going to play? in those tight situations, which obviously will be in inevitable. A slew of them will be inevitable in the regular season and then, of course, in the postseason. So I can't determine right now, you've got to go this way. You've got to go that way. I'm interested to see in which way they do go, how they figure it out. That's a thing that I think that will be a little bit in progression, too. I don't think by Thanksgiving everything will be cemented <laughs> like it was for years and years. With Stockton and Malone, we yeah. all knew, right? Yeah. Everyone had their role. It was well known. Right. No, this does have to be figured out a little bit. And I and find who, that fascinating. Right. And I'm not convinced that it'll be figured out the way it was back in the day. Maybe not. You know, I think a lot of it, the NBA is a game of matchups, and I think how teams defend and who they choose to defend and where they deploy their guys could change night to night and sure. determine who does what. And now you're giving Quinn Snyder all these weapons. It's undeniable he has the most weapons that he's ever had as an NBA head coach, right? So you're giving this man all these options. What is he going to do? You're, like, you're, you're giving him money, all way more money, now go spend it as you see fit. Whereas before, you spent it as you see fit, but you had way less of it. Now you got way more of it. Now you got monster money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, think, I think I do. Besides, you know, you had PK money before. Now you got monster money. Sweet. Just think of all the possibilities. <laughs> right? You're doing this because you think he's up in here in this or because he's not up in here in this? I, I say what I say. I don't worry about the ramifications. I speak from the heart. No, 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 no. And I, I say, say what I say. I didn't say you worried about the ramifications. I think more likely you enjoy the ramifications. I don't think about yeah, the ramifications. Can I get a ruling from the judge? When you speak truth, the truth is absolute and it stands on its own. He had got a point there. Yeah. But just, before that, did I have a point? You did have a point. <laughs> That's what I thought. Your point is fine. <laughs> But some, it's just not accurate what's in my heart. We have some NFL news if you'd like it. You should have said, I want NFL news. All right, go ahead. 
Ezekiel Elliott is apparently flying back to Dallas with plans to sign a new contract with the Cowboys. Oh, thank goodness! Hence the questions that we uh, and the answer that we played here at the start. How much does he have to practice before he plays? My guess is he needs to practice Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and he'll play Sunday. Probably. And, you know, a walk through Saturday and you're good to go. There it is. Parcells, he's dreaming up defensive schemes right now. I don't think it's really true. No? He might dream them up, but he was in no position to implement them. Oh, no. It's just you know, it's a random thought. Okay. On a morning full of randomness. <laughs> All right, the question of the morning that we have been talking about, if you're uh, just joining the show, a lot of angst around BYU. Is it really that bad? The angst is certainly partly a product of losing to Utah for a ninth straight time. The question going forward, are they going to take down some big programs, big name programs, even if they're having bad years? Looking at you, Tennessee. Looking at you, USC. And... Yeah, I'll go ahead. Will there be a UMass or Northern Illinois loss in there that people find horrifying? And how will they do against the best of the Mountain West? So there's really kind of three different questions to be asked over the course of this season. And they need to get Tennessee this week. We can get into it as the week goes on. But watching Georgia State run the ball and run over and around Tennessee, wow, this opportunity is knocking for BYU. They gotta, they can they look, come in? they got to look at that film and... Can they come in? Is that what you're saying? Get Tyson Williams, yeah. Because I hear them knocking. Opportunities knocking. Seize I it. hear you knocking. Seize it. Can you come in? 20 carries and 100 yards for Tyson Williams. Let's go, let's go, let's go. So that's an average of like six point yard, three point yards a carry? Even you know it's five. Five yards a carry? Yeah. What did he average against the Utes? Six or seven. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. On my point. On seven carries. If you can run it on Utah, you can run it on Tennessee. Oh, is that like if you make it in New York? A little bit. You can make it So anywhere. Utah's the standard? Seven carries, 45 yards, 6.4 yards per carry against the Utes. And why didn't he get more carries? And Kalani was asked that yesterday. We played that for you earlier this morning. And Kalani said, well, we need more than 15 plays in the second half. That was the first problem. Oh, the second half, yeah, it was a joke. They knew what they wanted to do, you know, halftime adjustments and all that stuff, and what's worked, and what do we got to go to here in the second half, and you have those conversations, you go up there, and you don't have the ball, so you never really get to implement them. You know, I'm a kind of look-on-the-bright-side guy, obviously. That's been my history. And so the offense certainly should be rested. Silver lining right there. Yeah. Good call by you. <laughs> all right, DJ and PK. That's what we have been uh, discussing this morning. We got a lot of feedback on BYU and the angst around the football team and the, the fan base and all that. We'll get to that next with your feedback during this show and all the things you've had to say about that. We'll get to that coming up. 9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines brought to you by Larry H. Milner Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. A lot of times people will ask me if you wouldn't have been a professional football player, if you wouldn't have been a radio analyst, what would you have been? I always tell them a paleontologist. 
We've done shows for a long time. You've never, ever mentioned that, ever. I know. Paleontology? What? Maybe if you showed more I interest was, in the things I'm interested in. Was it just in? because of Laura Dern and Jurassic Park? Because you say that, then I'm like, okay, I got you. You know, Sam Neill was never right for her. Now, Dr. Hans? Dr. Hans. <laughs> Girl, nature always finds a way. I don't know how you guys take my dreams and just crumple them up like a piece of paper and throw it right back in my face. Oh, man. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. I've been a BYU fan since 1972. And I can't take what I'm seeing. If they lose to the Aggies in a couple weeks, I'm going to become a Virginia fan. I'll be done. PK, I think you're holding back on us. I need you to ramp it up tenfold. Bring it at me, baby. All right, PK, it's a little too much. PK, you're brilliant with your BYU analogies. I've got another one for you. BYU Cougars. Cougars. They used to be hot, maybe in 1984, but they are way past their prime now. All right, there it is. The open mics for today and your feedback is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. How can I ramp it up tenfold? I gave you all I got today. Yeah, I believe that. I don't think you got tenfold left in you. I'm going home and crashing. Probably a little more of that other guy who said that was enough. It's never enough. You're not going home and crashing. You're golfing with Mike Weir Masters right. champ today. And then- Afterward, after I wake up, then I go. <laughs> there it is. After you wake up. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, why is there angst at BYU? Strider says one word, UMass. That's not it. I think most folks recognize that, what was that? Uh, Two years ago. So, but Northern 2017 was the worst. And then what was Northern Illinois? Freshman quarterback. So that's not going to happen this year. They're going to beat Tennessee and USC, and they're going to go on to win eight games. Well, the history of BYU, as we had Val, Val Hale say, maybe of those Power Fives you get one, maybe two. That's what they got last year. The year they played six, Kalani's first year, they went three and three. They got three. Yeah. Now they had a senior quarterback... Last year, they had a senior quarterback when they won those games. Right. And when they lost to Northern Illinois, by then they had switched to the freshman, trying to get him ready for the start of this year. Correct. Knowing they didn't want to throw a sophomore in there with little to no playing experience. Right, because they figured they were probably going to go 6-6 six and six irregardless, so let the freshman go 6-6 six and six, or whatever he went. He didn't go all 6-6, six and six, but get him experience for this season because these guys want to continue to keep their jobs, whereas Mangum was out the door. He was leaving. Sucks for him, but that's, you know, they did what they did, and the schedule got soft, and they... Uh, Northern Illinois had a pretty good defense. We've got to agree on that. They did. They did a good job on the, uh, the Utes last year. Certainly. So, what was that, 17-6, and there was a pick six at the end of the game with Chase Hansen. Right. Yeah, so when you add that up, that's not that surprising when you look at what Northern Illinois had, defensively speaking, and you bring in a freshman quarterback, and so he struggled. So what's BYU going to do with those three, the three teams that have been in the top half of the Mountain West Conference now? I mean, with 
BYU and I guess, what have they got now? Five, six title game appearances in six years, something like that. Because San Diego State it. went twice. Boise State's been three times. Oh, I, think. I see what you've done. Utah State's been once, and those are the three you're playing. I mean, these teams yeah, are. And you make a good point. What are they going to do against those teams? That might be much more of a fair assessment. Because they've traditionally struggled against Power Five teams. That's this is not anything new, and now you and now you take Utah this year in particular, last several years, but certainly this year they're an elite Power Five team this year. How many times has BYU beaten an elite Power Five team that was during an elite season? You know, Kansas State and the Cotton Bowl, uh, obviously the Miami game. It's happened. Uh, so, you know, there's a few, and I'm probably missing one or two, but there aren't a lot. But right. the point is that when you're playing an elite team that's top 10 or top 15, look at how many games those teams lose. They don't lose very many, and they, you lose. That's why usually, they're elite. Right, and they usually lose to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, the whole thought that a bunch of, uh, you know, 500 Power 5 teams are out there taking down these big dogs, well, they're not. That's, <laughs> that's how those guys got to 10 wins and got into the top 15. Correct, Amundo. So, will they handle the Mountain West better than they've been handling them? Well, that, that's an issue that has to be addressed if you're not. If you are, well, then this certainly is the BYU that we've all known and loved. This is who they are. Now, if they lose, go 1-2, and 0-3, oh then you got more issues that, on the table that you need to address for sure. DJ and PK, we're out of here. Tony and Austin are up next. We'll see you tomorrow.